Hello, and welcome to The Unique CPA. I'm your host, Randy Crabtree. The goal of our show is to keep you at the forefront of the changing face of public accounting by having conversations with fascinating leaders and bringing you their stories, insights, and advice. The Unique CPA podcast is brought to you by Trimerit, the specialty tax professionals. Today, our guest is Eric Solbakken. After years of public practice, Eric, who is a CPA, created the Accountant Success Formula, which is a system that he uses to work with CPAs in public practice to help them make their firms more profitable while reducing billable hours and stress. Stress is important, I guess, right now. Um, This system helps them maximize their profits, attract the best clients, and get the time and freedom they deserve. All sounds awesome. Eric, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me on, Randy. I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I, I think it'll be fun too. I, I've, I've, you know, talked to you a little bit a couple of weeks ago. It was probably a month ago or so, and it, it was real intriguing to me. Uh, I obviously do research on guests before they get on, and that was intriguing as well. But before we jump into the accountant success formula and your uh, your history, I got to ask you a couple questions. One, I did okay. mention I did mention your CPA. I yeah. did not mention you were in Canada. So CPA, pretty much, it's the same thing in, in, in Canada, right? But it just has different, initial, the initials stand for a different meaning or a different words? Yeah. So, well, actually in Canada, we used to have three different designations. We had chartered accountant, certified general accountant, and certified managerial accountant. I think it was the three. They eventually adjusted it to call it CPA, which is chartered professional accountant, but it's like with anything global now we're we're being more of a global brand and being your neighbors to the north it's uh, CPA here and CPA down south it's now everybody's a CPA so we're right. all on the same playing field it's, but it's a professional accounting designation yep yeah that makes sense and and actually technically you are you said to the north but in reality where you are you're you're pretty much even straight north i mean east west with the upper part of washington aren't you or am I? Um, well, am I... yeah, technically, technically, I'm actually south of the 49th parallel. Okay. It's actually, we're, we're, um, we're va- on Vancouver Island, which is just in the Puget Sound. So whenever anybody asks me where I'm from, when, when someone in the U.S. says, where are you from? I say, oh, the Puget Sound. Oh, they're like, oh okay. I know where that is. Yep. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, so. Um, so I was looking at, so that's the one thing I have to ask you. I do, we usually do a fun fact at the end of the show and we will today too, but before we do that, I'm going to do my own personal fun fact question to you before okay. we jump into it. So we're in, uh, you know, this is going to be released, uh, you know, I don't know, end of, you know, sometime in September, let's say uh, end of August even. We're all obviously in this uh, strange time right now with pandemic and everything. And so we're all, at least in, in my household, uh, you know, finding things to do around the house and binge watching different shows has been one of them. And one thing that I've heard, <laughs> you know where I'm going to ask, aren't you? One thing I've heard about uh, from a lot of people is Alone, a, a show on the History Channel. First off, are you familiar with it? No, I'm not. No, I'm you're not. not. No. Wow, you need to look at this. So, so you're not going to be able to probably answer this question, but alone is this interesting show where 10 people are dropped off in a remote location, all in different locations, but the same area, all within a few miles of each other, but they can't get to each other. And then they basically have to survive with 10 items that they were able to bring to them. And what they're doing is they're dropping them off on Vancouver Island. And, and, 
I'm really, I'm right now in the middle of the second season. I think there's like seven seasons right now. Um, but I was going to ask you about a couple things from that since you're not familiar with the show. Oh, Two things. Okay. One, the Vancouver Island looks beautiful. I mean, it's uh, amazing. And I'm guessing, I'm not guessing. Yes. I know they're on the north of Vancouver Island. You're on the south, right? Yeah, we're south, but it's, it's pretty well all the same. Okay. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. And then the other thing, well, they drop them off, I think, sometime fall, late fall. So it gets pretty ugly out there, uh, uh, at least when you're out alone s- trying to sleep under a tarp. How about uh, weather-wise where you are when we get into the late fall? Yeah, no. It's, so there, there's a big misnomer. So do you know what the weather's like in Seattle? Yep. It's wet. Right. It's rainy. It's rainy. It's rainy. That's the same thing with Vancouver Island. It's wet and rainy and rainy. We very rarely get snow here. Right. So, so it's not like if you were, if they did this alone, if they'd actually drop them, if you went straight across into the interior of Canada, drop them in, you know, Saskatchewan or Alberta, uh, that would be cold. <laughs> That's cold. That's the kind of cold you do not want. Okay. But here it's, yeah. It's, it's well, we're called, we call it the wet coast for a reason. Okay. Well, it does look beautiful. And, and I've, I've been to Vancouver. I've been to Seattle. I haven't got to the island. I, I'm assuming I've seen the island. Uh, uh-huh. Yep. Oh, yeah. You can see it. It's All right. right there. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, enough sidetrack. I just had to ask that because I'm guessing a lot of people have been watching that. I don't know if you're watching any TV, but if you do, uh, take a look at it. It's, it's an interesting show. Yeah. All right. no, I've done my be- I've done my Netflix and Netflix binge watching. It's oh, uh, yeah. it's 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 uh, it's kind of addictive. It's it's, <laughs> it's a bad habit. Like I don't have TV, but every once in a while I'll get into a Netflix binge on my iPad and I'm done. Oh, like yeah. one o'clock in the morning. I gotta go to bed. Right. Yeah, my wife <laughs> and I were on. We've watched two shows for the night. It's like, all right, let's just do one more, and then we're up longer than we want to be. All right, enough of that. We're not here to talk about uh, uh, History Channel shows, although that was interesting for me. Uh, what we are here to talk about is what we said in the in, in the intro. You know, we're, we're, our guests are, or our guests and our audience is is people in public accounting. So, you have an interesting story that you know, starting this accountants. Uh, success formula. But before that, you worked in traditional, you know, public accounting. And so maybe give us a, just a little history of where you came from, because that's probably set the stage when we start to talk about where you where you are now. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, um, you know, back in, well, it was back in 1989 is when I first started in public practice. So I, I worked in a traditional accounting firm, uh, four partner firm uh, for 18 years. And I worked my way through the ranks. I articled, I took my, you know, I took my courses. I got my CA designation at that time. I call it the CPA equivalent designation and, uh, you know, took in-depth tax courses and then became partner and I was partner. And then what happened was, is that partnership imploded. And so that partnership imploded and I had to go start out my own practice. And I did do that. I went and started my own firm and I did that for eight years. But for those last eight years, I had, I had this wake up call when my partnership imploded. I'd spent 18 years of my life grinding out billable hours, stressing out. And, and then all of a sudden it's like the, the, the floor was ripped out from underneath me and I crashed and I went, what, what am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? I said, I went to school for a long time to be a professional accountant. Then I articled for a long time. Then I worked hard to become a partner. And then all of a sudden I lost it all. And so what was the worst day of my life turned out to be the best day of my life. Ironically, because I started to look at the accounting profession with a different set of glasses. I went, okay, there's gotta be a better way to do this. So I went on what my wife likes to call a manic run. 
I was reading books from every thought leader, business thought leader and experts in the accounting space, trying to find a model that would work, that would give me the money I wanted to work with the clients I wanted and to give me more. The most important was the time off because the, the overtime hours, that's just, it was crazy. You know, it's like, um, it's like the accountants think that the person that bills the most hours wins. It's a, it's a perverse sickness that happens. But anyways, that, so what happened was, is I, I ended up practicing and trying all sorts of different techniques. I even tried throwing in Tim Ferriss's four hour work week into it. By the way, it doesn't work very well <laughs> in an accounting practice, but I tested and tried. So basically I became an entrepreneur. Like I became like my clients, the entrepreneur clients that an accounting firm has. I started acting like one. And I started testing and trying different methodologies. And what happened was, is I stumbled across a combination of things that worked incredibly well. And so what happened was, is I ended up tripling my net income as a sole proprietor, as it by myself, than I ever made in the bigger partnership. None of my staff worked overtime. They were all paid well above industry rates. They got paid incredibly well. No one worked overtime. And then when I went to sell my practice, I got a multiple on billings. And what happened was, is that um, a bunch of accountants started to come out, ask me and say, well, how did you do that? First of all, they wanted to know how I sold my practice so young. They were like, how did you sell your practice? Like, how did you just get rid of it? And, but we also heard that you were like making great money and not working over it. Like, how did you do that? And so I started working with some accountants one-on-one to kind of show them what I did and then started to formalize the process. And next thing I know, it started to get one more client. Another accounting firm wanted to come on board. More success. Oh, by the way, it wasn't just me that could do it. Someone else could do it. And not only that, I can show them how to do it. And so next thing you know, I wrote a book. I've got an online program. I've got a coaching program. I I do ghost partnership arrangements with accounting firms. And now I'm on your podcast. Uh, you've so made you it now. You've yeah, now I've made I've made the big time, Randy. <laughs> I'm on I'm on your podcast. So there uh, you go. Uh, I, I'm gonna have to say this is not an exclusive. I have seen you on other podcasts. So you made it well before my podcast. And yeah, uh, there you go. So yeah. <laughs> um so 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 that that's an interesting story. It's funny because I uh Sold my practice early too. I mean, I was forty-four years old, I think. But I, uh, I oh, wasn't... you beat me by a year then. Did I? <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't looking to be uh, retired at that point, though. We, I just got into something else. That's actually how time yeah. it started. Was after that. So, did you think you were done then, or, or, or... no, no, okay. no, no? I. Did. So what happened was is the interesting thing is um, because because I was making such great money and everything like that people ask the natural question like well if things were so great for you why did you sell your firm like why did you do that and i said that's a very good question something inside of me was stirring i just felt like i had to do something else and i wasn't sure what that was but my wife saw that i wasn't really having fun anymore because i wanted to do something else right so she said sell the practice and we'll figure something out like talk about supportive Mm -hmm. and so I know I got a good, I, she's, she's my, she's my number one fan. And I'm, I'm just, I'm incredibly blessed to be with her. She's, uh, she's my, my best friend and partner. So we did that. We sold the practice said, well, let's see where it goes. And so from there, it was after that, we, I kind of took a time off, right? It took some time off and right. I had a young daughter and spending time with her and then, uh, started kind of looking into other business ventures and tried a bunch of other things. But then, like I said, I had these accountants come to me and it's almost like that just the solution where I needed to go 
just materialized. So, yeah. so yeah, so that's why now, you know, five years later, the accountant success formula program and the coaching programs that I have, the accountants that I'm working with are, are um, the transformation that I see in their lives is so amazing that this is, this is why I'm, I'm passionate about it now. Yeah, well, that's awesome. And not to not to keep throwing myself into this, but I had the same scenario. It was like, all right, and you're going to probably get into this. I was not that good at uh, you know where you were when you were in in practice with the the way you you got things running smooth, and I just got burnt out. Was one of the reasons that I sold, and I I was probably following all the wrong methods that you're going to tell me I shouldn't have been following here <laughs> in in a in a minute. But the, the the cool thing is that that turned into what I'm doing now. And that, that ended up to be the best thing that could have happened to me. And so yeah. it, yeah, it's that, nice to see. Burnout is one of the, you know, the, one of the saddest things that I see in the profession is seeing uh, young, talented accountants going, I do not want it. Like they look forward and they see the way the older accountants or the retiring par- partners, the way they work and the way they're burnt out. And they're like, I don't want to be part of that. And that's the, the new generation are smarter than we were. They yeah. don't want to be part of this old school accounting firm model where they're working ridiculous hours and stressing about invoicing their client. And like they want a better lifestyle. And so they're much smarter that way. But, but you, it's like you don't see uh, very many accountants in later life public practice at going, man, I'm so glad I did this. Like they're, <laughs> most of them are like, if I had a choice again, I would have chosen a different career. Yeah. And that's what I don't want to see happen. I no. want to see the ones that go through and just, you know, so the accountants that I work with, those that are about to retire, I work with them so that they can set their firm up for maximum exit value. Yep. The yep. ones that are in the middle, they can fix it so they can make the really good money going forward. And and then the ones that are coming in, it becomes a shining light to go, hey, by the way, I don't have to work like this. I don't. We don't have to be burnt out. We don't have to be stressed out. And we don't have to have our clients being price sensitive. There's a way to build the model so that the clients are more than happy to pay us higher fees. Yep. Yep. That's perfect. So the accountant success formula obviously helps us identify, I'm ass- obviously, I'm assuming you could tell us, but the, where these problems are, what the problems, and then how to go about fixing them. So what is this, this accountant success formula then, and what do we do, and how do you make people happier? Yeah, okay. So let's go kind of back to fundamentals. So for, for me, I was in public practice. I had a traditional firm, you know, billing by the hour, doing all the work, you know, if it's personal taxes, bookkeeping, year ends, no, you know, audits, whatever came in, I did it. I shifted that to this new model. And it wasn't until afterwards that I, I formalized this, that I realized even closer what the real problem is with the accounting profession. And as opposed to, and, and I'm not shooting down any other advisors or people that are out there trying to help accounting firms, like it, it, anything that they can do to help the accounting firms, I'm like all on board and, and we all are trying to just improve the lives of the accountants. But the, the, there's a fundamental problem here. It's not just about going out and getting more clients. It's not just about fixing your pricing. It's, it's, there's a fundamental flaw with the business model. The accounting firm business model is a flawed and I, and in my book, the accountant success formula, I say that it's, I'm freeing today's accountant from an oppressive business model. It's the business model that has been oppressive to the accountants because it is, it has conditioned them into believing what I call the three lies. Okay. And these are the three lies. And if you're in public practice, you'll, you'll recognize these. Number one is that our worth is equal to our hours worked. Somehow our worth is equal to the number of hours we work. 
So, you know, when you get into a meeting with accountants and y'all ask each other, you know, around post-tax, so how are things going? And the accountants, oh, we're so busy. And then the other one's, oh, no, no, we're so, so busy. Oh yeah, we're so busy. Oh, how many hours? Oh, I worked 10 hours yesterday. Oh, I worked 12. You talk to someone else. Oh, I worked 26. I'm like, how'd you get the extra couple hours in there? Oh, I work, I'm really efficient. You know, I <laughs> like, it's, it's like this badge of honor that somehow working more hours makes you more worthy as a person. And that's because we've been brainwashed into thinking the billable hour is this holy grail and it becomes, we self-identify with it. And I, I, I could go down a complete rabbit hole on the psychoanalysis on that, but let's just leave it at that. Okay. Our worth is equal to how many hours we work, right? Number two is that our clients are naturally price sensitive to our services. So accountants just feel like, no, clients are just naturally price sensitive to our services, right? But they're not. We actually make them price sensitive by the way we have a conversation with them, by the way that we position our services, and by the way that we build them. And we can talk about that a little bit more, but that's number two. And number three, the third lie that we believe in is that tax time just has to suck. Mm -hmm. Okay? So those are your three lies. Our worth is equal to how many hours we work. Our clients are naturally price sensitive to our services. And three, that tax time just has to suck. So you just described me during tax season before I, I got out of public <laughs> accounting. So, or during my practice in general. So, okay, go on. Yeah. So we're like, we're having this, we're having this, uh, this podcast through zoom calls. So I can see Randy's head. He's like a bobblehead doll going, yep, 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 yep. yep, yep. yep. You know, yeah. Right. And so anybody who's worked in public practice long enough knows that this is the case. And so, well, so there's this underlying it's like we've been lied to by the profession. We've been conditioned to believe that this is just how things have to be. So with those three lies in place, I realized that we have to change that. We, there's got to be a way to change this model. And so it all comes down to, you know, a lot of the things that I'll talk about, you'll, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I've heard someone say this. Or I heard someone say that. Oh, yeah, I've heard Ron Baker talk about value pricing. I heard this person talk about that. But the difference is, is that once you take all these concepts and ideas and you put them together in a methodical, like an actual process to, to change your practice, which is what I've done is I've, it's like, yeah, I know where I am. I know where I want to get to. How do I do it? I've got the path. So I call okay. the accountant success formula, the path to freedom. So path to freedom. Get, I like it. All right. The accountant success formula is the path to freedom because really all accountants are looking for is the three freedoms. Okay. You want to make good money. You want to work with clients who appreciate you and you want to have free time from your practice, yep. right? Those are the three freedoms that you want. And so once you shift over to the account success formula model, you get those three freedoms. All right. How All do right? we get there? How do we get there? First thing we have to recognize is the fact that our billing model is, is flawed. The billable hour billing model is flawed. Okay. And so there's a whole bunch of research around it. The Ron Baker of the world and the Paul Dunn, and they're both mentors of mine. They had this firm of the future. It was all about value pricing and getting away from the billable hour model. And the billable hour model is that oppressive, corrosive thread that, that makes us believe that our value, our worth is equal to how many hours we work. And it's not. It's not what we do that matters. It's what the client receives. It's the value that they receive as opposed to what the input. So it's an input versus output approach. So we could go. We could go on for hours and hours on this. And I've I've got I've got a free masterclass online for anybody who wants to to go into more detail and and see more of what I'm talking about and how to actually implement this, Randy. But 
the kicker here is for me, just to kind of high level is I got away from billable hour. I moved my clients to a subscription based model where they were paying me a monthly set fee. Okay. That I pulled from their bank account and they had unlimited access to talk to me if they ever had a question. So they would know the price ahead of time, smoothed out their cash flow. They had unlimited access to me and they could cancel at any time. And because I set up that model, they were willing to pay me a higher price. And right. so what I would do is I take a typical year end, like let's just talk a small business, small practitioner. Let's say you got a small year end, you got a corporate tax return, their personal tax return and their financial statements, right? So kind of like a bread and butter client. Yep. If it was all encompassing, like say you paid $3,000 for all of that bundled together, just I'm picking a number, instead of $3,000 annually and, they, and then if they ever called you, you had to try and bill them separately every time, I could shift that over and I said, well, instead it'll be, it'll be $400 a month and you will do the tax returns, we'll do all that stuff, but if ever you have a question, you pick up the phone, you call me. Well, now we've gone from three grand to 4,800. And the clients would sign up in a heartbeat because they, they love the model. And so what also happened there is that we moved away. I moved away from being just the compliance guy, just doing the compliance work to actually being their trusted advisor. Cause they had, they had easy access to me. unlimited access, basically at unlimited the, access right. with right. of course a caveat that if I ended up doing special projects, I had what's known as change orders. And that's where the Ron Baker and Paul Dunn model like and that's where their model comes in so you do these special projects but you price them ahead of time and okay. you value price them it's value pricing it's not how many hours it's going to take me to do this job it's what is it worth what is the job actually worth and i and i show accountants how to actually value price things properly well value pricing is a become a big passion of mine i promote it a lot when i, I do a lot of speaking out at firms and and at conferences and and, I, and i'll always talk about the fact that how people should be value pricing but i even am doing it wrong because you corrected me last time we <laughs> talked uh, um so yeah. i'm i'm i've been educated by you in the last month already on uh yeah. how that but maybe let's go into value pricing unless you wanted to go a different direction you can go wherever you yeah. want but uh no, it's, you know, here's the thing is with value pricing, there's a concept here and it's a really simple one. You ever watch the price is right? Yes. Okay. So what's the, what's the basic premise of the price is right? Well, to guess the closest to the price without going over. Exactly. <laughs> that is value pricing. Okay. <laughs> yep. That's value pricing is the price is right. Okay. And I'm talking, I'm talking old school Bob Barker here. Okay. Right. That's, yes. that's where I'm going here. I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not current. I'm talking Bob Barker's Bob right? Barker. Okay. You go, you get closer to the price without going over. So the concept here is that the value of a service, okay. No one will pay more price than the value of the service. Correct. Because right. if the price goes over the value of the service in their mind, they won't pay because they'll be going backwards because I'm not going to pay more for the, for something that I think the value is, but I will pay, I will pay the price up to almost to the value of what I perceive it to be. And this is where the con, this is where the, the mindset needs to shift around is what is the value to the client? Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Value is just the same. Each client assumes the value to be different than the next client. So if, like we talked about a little bit earlier, if all of a sudden I did five minutes of work for you 
and you took that that result and i talked to you for five minutes gave you a tip which i'm going to do for the value pricing we'll talk about it offline we're going to talk about the value pricing for your business model right so all right i'll have a five minute conversation to you change your thought process you could take that idea that i gave you and it could make you five million dollars yeah or i could have a conversation with you for five minutes give that to you and it's useless and you wouldn't or it makes you five dollars right okay so how come my five minutes of time should be charged out the same for the $5 result versus the $5 million result. Right. And makes no sense. Right. Yep. And here's the problem is that our, the accountants have been brainwashed into thinking that their value is based on the time they spend with the client. And it's not, it's the value that they, the client receives. And that the problem is, is that accountants have never been shown how to have the right conversation with the client so that the client really appreciates the value because the accountants are busy talking about the technical things that they have to do, all the stuff that they do, as opposed to the transformation that the client's going to actually receive. If you take the time at the front end to have what I call the adult conversation with a client and work out what the value is and agree to the price, so the price and the value are in alignment, and then, then go forward and do the work, if you have that adult conversation at the front end, you will capture that value. You will, you will, your prices will naturally be higher than they ever would in a billable hour model. But it's having the right conversation with the client so that they perceive the value. Right. Right. So you're educating them on the, the value that you're giving them, the results that they're going to get in the yes. discussion with you. And the best part is when the, the, the methodology that I use, not a sleazy salesy pitch because accountants don't like to sell. I don't like to sell. I'm an accountant. I don't like sales. It's having the right conversation. So the client actually talks themselves into the value. So it's just, it's having the right conversation where the client finally goes, Oh my God. Yeah. I, this is my pain point. I don't, I, can you take this away from me? I'm like, yeah, I can fix that. I'll take away that. What else do you want to accomplish? Well, I want to accomplish this and this and this in my life. Okay, well, we're going to do this, this and this and get you there. I said, if I can get you to this point and take away this pain, is it worth X? And they go, yes. And I said, well, then there's the price. Let's go. All right. And that's part of this program that you, you're, you're, oh, you yeah. educate the accountants oh, yeah. on how to have that discussion. And it's an easy discussion to have. It's not, and it's natural because the thing is, Randy, it's just, you're just having a conversation with someone to figure out what the value is to them right. and what they're trying to accomplish in their life, yep. which is what accountants really want to do. We really want to help our clients achieve the life they want, but we're so busy diving into the technical stuff that we never take the time to go and have that conversation ahead of time. Also, because if you have that conversation ahead of time, it's like, oh my gosh, how am I going to recover that time? Right. <laughs> so, so speaking of time then, and not to get back on the time, but just so one thing, when, when you're having that discussion, you're coming up with the value, how do you know, and I don't want to equate it to time, but how do you know you're, you're going to, if we still kept track of time, how do you know you're going to do better off? You know, what if I undervalue that? What if I, you know, what if I end up spending so much more time than I expected? How, you, you, I'm obviously, you're training people on how to be smart on the value of billing and the things. Okay. But, so okay, I understand ahead. that. So, so, and we could go down a big rabbit hole here. So I'm going to try and keep it as high level as possible. Sure. But here's the thing. Every accountant's in business. And so we're in business. And what is your business model? Your business model is here's how much revenue I bring in. Minus the expenses gives me my net income. Oh, that's unique. Isn't it unique? It's incredible. <laughs> but the problem with accountants is that when we're analyzing billable hours by file, we are 
not having one business, we are having 300 businesses or 500 businesses and they all make money or lose money in our mind. So we're having this imaginary conversation with ourselves that, oh my God, I lost money on this client. Oh my God, I made money on this client. When it has no relevance to the overall business, the business is you have X amount of revenue. What kind of resources do you need to apply to that revenue model to actually make your net income? So I work everything backwards with the accountant say, Let's bring in X amount of clients at this price point gives you X revenue and how many, how much resource do you need to apply to that revenue model to give you the net income? And when you start looking at it, the modeling that you do in your practice flips its head upside down. So let's talk about a traditional accounting firm from a revenue model to a net income position from the national firm level, national firm partners on average, their revenue model, what do you think their net income percentage is? Oh. Like what they take on a bill, like if you had a book of a million dollars, what would your percentage take home be? I'm too far out of public accounting. You got to yeah. answer that for me. 20%. Okay. 20%. Okay. And that's, and you know, your listeners might be going, oh, that's not what I get. Well, that's fine. But I'm just giving you kind of the averages. That's okay? the national average. Okay. <laughs> but just for a national firm, in the national firms, it's 20%. Most accounting firms try and shoot for 50%. They, they're trying to get 50%. That but the was national the number firms, I was thinking. So at least I was they're on trying board. 50, right? right. Yep. But national firms, they have their bigger monsters and they've got overhead and inefficiencies all over the map and they're not value pricing. So of course they're losing money left, right, and center. They're around 20%. So let's say you get around, most firms that were like, say 45, they're, they're thinking they're, they're living the dream. When I had my accounting practice, my percentage take home was 73% on revenue model. Okay. You beat that average. Okay. Not only that, it knocked it out of the park. Yes. And so the model that I'm talking about works. And not only that, I did it without working overtime. Mm -hmm. So when you value price properly and look at your overall business model and say, and do those things that I'm talking about, you have these kind of results as opposed to getting ground into the individual files and having this emotional roller coaster going, Oh, I made money. Oh, I lost money. Oh, I made money. I lost money. I don't really care what happens to the individual file. I care about the business overall. And then one thing that I would think comes out of that is that, and you may have alluded to this already, you're saving time, just not analyzing every single project from a time standpoint and how much did we make and what was our overages yeah, and what's yeah. our whip and what's our, yeah. you know, without analyzing that, I don't know how much time an accountant spends on average a year, just billing and looking at hours, but it's gotta be quite a bit. Yeah. So on, on, on my website, I give away uh, a copy of my book. It's just a free plus shipping offer. So it's like a couple bucks for shipping and I'll send you a copy of the book. In, inside my book, I have chapter two, um, I call it sins of the traditional model. And okay. so it's, it's all the different sins. And the last sin number seven is uh, wasting time dealing with time. And that's yeah. exactly what you're talking about. Okay. It's the amount of time that the accountant wastes on recording, analyzing, billing, stressing, arguing, internal arguments in your head and with your partners, whip right off recovery and with your clients probably recovery oh yeah and then never mind the fact that you're chasing your clients for money yep like and i'm sorry you were saying you were saying whip write-offs and <clears throat> whip write-offs and 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 and, and the st internal stress is like oh my god i lost money on this file i'm like sorry did the client make you write a check to them like how can you lose money on a file 
because your fictitious whip number is higher than what you're billing out. Like, how is that losing money? Right. Like, did you actually write a check? Like, did you have to write a check? Um, by the way, most firms, when I analyze them on an initial meeting, when I, I meet with them, we analyze, I look at the overall package in the firm and we analyze the, the, the client ratio and revenues and the rest of it. The bottom 80% of their clients, they actually cost them money to do the work. Like it costs, costs you money to actually do the low end work. Right. So nothing like coming out of a shitty tax season and then having to, to find out that it actually costs you money to do that. Right. Like most accountants, it costs them money to do the tax season. Yep. I can see that. Well, that was what I was the next thing that when you were talking that came to mind is then when you're doing this, you, you want to analyze, you want to, you want to get rid of those DC yep. e clients. I mean, you're looking at the a client to do this model, I'm assuming as well, right? Yeah. Well, of course, but, but the thing is you don't need, it's not all about just getting all these top level clients. Like right. I take firms and we do a, we do a, a, a transition to the, the, shall we call it the utopian model, the model, you're, the way you want to build your firm and what you want it to look like. One of the things that I don't like, and I see it on the internet and the social media all the time, is like, oh, here, quickly, I'll get you all your ideal clients tomorrow. And it's like this instant result. Well, we're, let's be serious here. We're, we've got a business and it takes time to get to that. I have a path and a methodology to get there. So as you're going towards there, yes, you're going to cull off your old, your, your, your D clients and you're, you're going to get rid of the low end clients, but there's a methodology by which we do this so that you get paid for them to go away and you do it over time. So we have a referral network where you sell them off to another accountant and as you're bringing in clients on the new model. So you have what's, and Ron Baker, I love his term to this. He calls it a forced churn. You bring in clients at a higher price point. Now you're able to get rid of some lower ones. So there's a methodology by which to do all this, to get it to, right? But ultimately, what are we trying to do here? We're kind of getting into the details of, yeah. of this stuff. But what's the thing we're trying to do? We're trying to improve the life of the accountant. You want to make more money, have clients who appreciate you and are willing to pay your fees. And number three, have more free time in your life. So we're talking about mental space, reducing stress. Think about just, you have monthly cash flow coming in every month and you're not stressing about it. You don't have to figure out and analyze and bill your clients and chase them and have those awkward conversations after the fact. You have the adult conversation ahead of time. Like the stress levels, that's the big transformation that I see with my, most of my coaching clients is that they're happy, they're smiling. Through COVID, for example, through this COVID this has been been a stressful season for accountants everywhere. Yep. But my clients, their revenue models haven't shifted. They haven't changed. Most of the other accountants, their revenue models have been deferred and pushed off because of this extended tax season from hell. My clients, they, there's been no movement and their clients are bringing the stuff in on a regular basis still because they've been paying on a monthly basis. There's no there's no fear of this year end bill and the clients are going, well, I don't have the cash flow to pay for a year end. So I'm going to hold it back from the accountants. And now the accountants are sitting there going, well, what am I going to get? I, I need you to bring your year end in. And the client's like, I can't do it right now because of this financial impact. The guys that are on the accountant success formula model and the, and, and the firms that are on it, their cash flow, it hasn't even moved. Yeah. 
Yep, yep. No, it makes sense to me. So I kind of probably directed us in the five different directions that uh, uh, you kept up with, which was nice. And I probably didn't uh, hit everything that you wanted to hit today. I, I'm not saying we're wrapping up, but there's there things that the highlights that I should have asked that we haven't gotten into yet. And then we will probably try to wrap it up here. Well, you know, Randy, like I said, we could go down like it's a mindset shift. Okay. It's a shift in mindset. And it's the first thing, you know, there's this, there's this path to, to, to every problem solution. There's a problem solution path that I talk about it. Okay. Problem solution path. And there's, there's four steps in it. The first thing is you have to recognize or realize that there's a problem. If you don't realize there's a problem, you're not even going on the path. You're not going anywhere. And so for most accountants, they just, we, and I know this person because I did it for 18 years. I just assumed that, the, and you did too. If we just assume that it, this is the way things have to be. This is just the way it is. Why did the accountant cross the road? There's the joke. Because they did it last year. <laughs> yeah. We just we just assume. So you need first you need to realize. So when I get you know, and I sound you know, I get all excited about this, and I get you know almost angelical, like I'm, 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 I'm on my soapbox, but it's because I know that there's a problem here and then accountants don't have to suffer. They don't have to suffer. And when you, you, so the first thing for me is just to say, here's the problem. Here's the solution, right? So the problem solution passes first, you got to realize there's a problem. Second thing you need to do is then make a decision to decide to do something about it. Cause you can recognize there's a problem. A lot of accountants know there's a problem with the model, but they just go, oh, I'm not going to do anything about it. But it's those accountants that finally go, you know what, it, I've, enough is enough. I want to have the lifestyle and I deserve it after working so hard. I need to make a, I made a decision. I'm going to do something. Then number three is you have to find a solution, right? And then once you find that solution, you need to implement it. You need to do something. It's one thing to find it, but then you need to do something. So those are the, that's the four things for me. So for being on this podcast is me to just kind of go, hey, there's a problem here with the, the accounting profession. I'm just trying to highlight it for you so that you know that there is a way out so that you can make a decision if you want to. If you want to look at the solution, the accountant success formula is a solution to the problem and I can show you how to implement it. So I've got my free book on the website. I've got a free masterclass on the website. I can have a conversation with accountants. It's for me, that's the, that's the whole thing. It's just to wake people up. And, and once you know, you can't unknow. Yeah. Okay. So once, once someone points out the fact that the accountant, the traditional model accounting firm with cranking out billable hours, working stupid overtime and having stressful conversations with clients is, doesn't have to happen. You will never forget it. Yep. I can vouch for that. I've changed in my new uh, profession, uh, um, the way that we do things and the the way we look at our services. So I'm not fully uh, uh, educated on on your your plans right now, but I I feel like I've gotten at least partway there. So, Well, and here's the thing, Randy. I mean, what are we all trying to do? Our clients are doing the same, okay? We're trying to build a life for ourselves that and so the reason why we went to school and the reason why we work hard is because we're trying to build a life for ourselves that we're happy with and if we're not happy if we're not making the money we want if we're not working with the clients that we want we're not having the free time to go and spend it the way we want to then let's change it and that's what this is about it's about the three freedoms money clients and time those are the three things that every entrepreneur is after and every accountant is also an entrepreneur, whether they know it or not. 
<laughs> right, right. Well, I think that's a good place to, to end on, uh, although not completely end. I got one more question to ask, and then uh, and then we'll let you uh, uh, tell us your website and wait places, uh, ways people can get a hold of you. But before we do that, I usually end with a fun fact, which is uh, uh, um, we had one at the beginning already. You're on Vancouver Island. You don't know the show, but uh, but you. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna uh, look it up though. <laughs> yeah, but you're gonna look it up. It, it, it's actually a pretty addictive show. My wife and I are enjoying it. But fun fact for you, I saw this on on the line. You are a drummer and a lead singer in an '80s heavy metal band. Is that correct? Oh yeah, uh, well, yes, completely, <laughs> and, uh, fully enveloped. Yeah. yeah, and and what does that mean? I mean, is there a, a, is there certain bands that are favorite to play? Do you play your own music? Where do you play? Yeah, what is yeah no, this? this is we're we're all we're all the cover '80s, uh, and I've been doing this since literally since I was a kid. Uh, I played in in uh, heavy metal bands, and so. And, and so the current band that I'm in right now is I'm actually the drummer and lead singer, and we've got a guitarist and bassist, and we're called Rain Down, um, nice. like as an R E I G N, Rain Down. <laughs> and uh, we play, yeah, and it's, but it's all the 80s. It's, it's, we're an 80s heavy metal band. So, like, we're, you know, Van Halen, Metallica, Ozzy, um, we've got, you know, it guns and roses that sort of stuff so it's it's uh and then iron maiden judas priest that sort of stuff it's so much fun and people that uh, well not that we're playing it in the bars anymore because we haven't been doing that oh for, that's true you know, for months now so so it's uh it's uh kind of uh, covid uh zoom uh parties yeah <laughs> so, well, that's awesome. That that's you. You just named my era of music. Uh, that, those were all hot when I was in college. So, how about ACDC? Yeah. Oh yeah, we got an ACDC. We got ACDC in there. We got Motley Crue. Um, right. I was also in a Motley Crue tribute band, but that was even more years ago. So. <laughs> all right. Well, that's awesome. That sounds like a great time. Hopefully, you can get back out and get in the bars and play again. Uh, you know, yeah. before too long, and uh, uh, we'll see what happens. But I appreciate you being on. It's very interesting. I find it informative myself. Um, if anybody else finds it informative and wants to know how to get a hold of you, uh, you know, websites, uh, how, what's the best place? Well, there's the accountantsuccessformula.com. Um, that's the easiest one. That'll give you a, a relink over to my main website, which is ericsolbackandcpa.com. I did that because Eric Solbakken is not something easily print, uh, uh, spelled out. So if you type in the accountantsuccessformula.com, accountantsuccessformula.com, that'll give you a reroute to ericsolbackandcpa.com. And in there, like I said, there's, there's, uh, you get, you can get a copy of my book. I've got lots of free resources in there and, uh, and a free masterclass that anybody can look at. And, uh, if they have any more questions and they want to reach out and talk to me about some of the coaching programs, I'm more than happy to have the conversation. Well, that's awesome. That, that, that's great. And just to clarify, accountant or yes. an S on the end. So accountant Account, success, accountant, accountant success formula. Yeah, because I always want to say accountants success for you. So accountant, got it. So everybody be, be aware of that. Uh, Eric, it was great to have you on. I, I appreciate it. I, I, when uh, travel resumes for me, which I'm having withdrawals right now, but I'm going to not be traveling. Uh, I'm looking forward to somehow someday getting to Vancouver Island because like I said at the beginning, it looks beautiful. Well, when you get up here, I've got the boat ready and we'll go out for a run and maybe do some fishing. That'd be awesome. Thank you for joining us today. And you can find all the links and show notes for today's episode, as well as more about Trimerit at theuniquecpa.com. 
Remember to subscribe and join us for our next episode where we'll be going beyond compliance into forging new pathways of delivering value to clients, diversifying your revenue streams, and leading edge management techniques and styles.